بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد رسول الکریم اما الحمد للہ tonight is the 11th of february in the year 2023 and already we've entered the last third of the blessed month of rajab i.e. the 21st night so we pray to almighty allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he blesses us in our months of rajab and shaaban and conveys safely to the holy month of ramadan amen and we moved on to the 54th night that we're going through the illustrious and blessed life of the eminent companion Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik So the next section is entitled His Trial with Al-Hajjaj The Bloodthirsty Tyrant So like I mentioned yesterday when Abdullah ibn Zubair was martyred Abdul Malik ibn Marwan became the uncontested khalif of the Muslim world. And Anas had now crossed the 83rd year of his life. So this aged and venerable companion was also now destined to cross paths with the bloodthirsty tyrant Hajjaj ibn Yusuf. His first encounter with Hajjaj was in the holy city of Al-Madinah. During his stay as the governor of Al-Madinah, which gratefully was for a short time, for a few months in 74 AH, Hajjaj treated the inhabitants there with great severity and punished them cruelly for their slightest faults, if any. So, it's important to highlight, Hajjaj was being used by the Umayyad authorities to nip in the bud any mischievous elements in the Islamic State. So he was first made governor of Al-Madinah. And I think the wisdom there was that Abdullah ibn Zubair had been martyred. And they were thinking maybe another uprising would take place. His governorship was only for a few months. But despite the fight he was there for a few months, he treated them very harshly. It is related In Tabri in his Tariqh, volume 2, page 854, Asadul Ghaba, volume 1, page 127, Hafiz Baladhuri in his Ansabul Ashraf, that he had gone as far as to brand three of the venerable companions on their skins. The first was Sayyidina Jabir ibn Abdullah, radiyallahumma, who was branded on his hand. The second was Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik, radiyallahumma. And the third was Sayyidina Sahal ibn Sa'ad, So he was basically you know, committing these atrocities in the holy city of the Prophet and he was targeting the companions of the Prophet because he was considering them to be a threat to the authority. And despite the fact that these three were now age companions, he was branding them like animals. Jabur on his hand, Anas and Sahil ibn Isa'ad. Hajjaj called the age companion of 89 years, Sayyidina Sahal ibn Sa'ad, and he said to him, What prevented you from coming to the aid of the Amir al-Mu'mineen, Uthman ibn Affan, radiyallahu. Sahal ibn Sa'ad, radiyallahu, said, I did indeed go to his aid. Hajjaj wrote, You lie. He then gave orders for him to be branded on his neck with lead. 
When the Khalif Abdul Malik ibn Marwan heard of these tortures, he intervened and he forced the governor to stop such atrocities. This is in Tabari in his Tariq, volume 2, page 854, Asad al-Ghaba, volume 1, page 127, Hafiz Balazuri in his Ansab al-Ashraf. So imagine, let alone a companion, an 89-year-old man, so obviously coming to the end of his life, a normal person would have pity and would respect the elders. He's <laughs> torturing the Mustafa And what did he say? He goes, you didn't help Uthman. So Sahal ibn Sahal goes, I did help him. Ajaj goes, you're a liar. And he branded him with lead on his neck. And look how interesting. The Khalif heard about this. Abdul Malik ibn Marwan back in Damascus. And he gave orders for Hajjaj to stop this. Similar barbaric treatments were afflicted upon Jabir ibn Abdullah and Anas. Subhanallah, the blessed aged body of Sayyidina Anas was by this time now literally littered with the scars and wounds from his many campaigns and now also from the tortures of Hajjaj. So like I mentioned, he fought in many of the campaigns in his youth and he had many, you know, wounds from the various campaigns. Now, if that wasn't enough, he's getting other marks now from the torture of Hajjaj. Hafiz ibn Katir, he said, Rahmatullah in Al-Bidayah, in the chapter upon entering the 75th year of the Hijrah, Abdul Malik, he appointed Al-Hajjaj ibn Yusuf al-Thaqafi as the governor of Iraq in Al-Basra, Al-Qufa, etc. after the death of his brother Bishr ibn Marwan. Abdul Malik believed that the people of Iraq could not be controlled by anyone except Hajjaj. So what happened? So the Umayyads had placed their family members in key posts. So the governor of Iraq was the brother of the Khalif, Abdul Malik ibn Marwan. His name was Bishr. Bishr passed away. So when he passed away, the Khalif ordered Hajjaj to leave Al-Madina. And now he made him the governor of Iraq. And the reason Ibn Kathir said he did that was there was no other person to control the people of Iraq. That's why he was sent there. Sayyidina Anas thus had to encounter this bloodthirsty tyrant once again in 76 age when he had crossed the 86th year of his life. So why do I mention the second time? Because now where has he gone? He's made the governor of Iraq. And where does Anas live? Basra. So he's got one... You know, one of the times was in Al-Madina. Now, the second time in Basra. So what happened? In Tabarani, Tabari in his Tariq, volume 2, page 865. Hafiz ibn Al-Atir in his Al-Qamil, volume 4, page 313. Al-Haytami in Majma Al-Zawaid, volume 7, page 274. Comments upon the chain of narrators. Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 258 of the New English Translation. Ali ibn Zaid, rahmatullah alayhi, he said, I was once with Hajjaj in a fortress as he was busy interrogating people about their links with Ibn al-Ashaf who had rebelled against the Umayyads. So picture the scene. Hajjaj is the governor of Iraq. He's in his palace and he's interrogating people with their links to a personality who had rebelled. Sayyidina Anas arrived, radiyallahu, and when he drew close, Hajjaj called out to him, Come here, you wretch, you, an- you anarchist. 
Sometimes you side with Ali ibn Abu Talib. Sometimes with Abdullah ibn Zubair. And sometimes with Ibn al-Ash'ath. I swear by the being who controls my life, I shall now peel you just as glue is peeled off and skin you just as a kid is skinned. Astaghfirullah. So stop in the report. So Anas, he comes in, he's 86 years old now. And what does that shaitan say to him? He goes, you're an anarchist. And what was his excuse to target him? He goes, you're, you're siding with different people at different times. He goes, you sided with Ali. Then you sided with Abdullah ibn Zubair. And now with that anarchist, Ibn al-Ash'ath. He goes, I'm going to peel you as glue is peeled and skin you as a kid is skinned. So Anas radiyallahu alayhi calmly. Who is the Amir referring to? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rectify him. Hajjaj thereupon snapped, It is you I'm referring to. May Allah ta'ala make you deaf. Anas radiyallahu simply said, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. And he left. Thereafter he said, Had I not thought of my children, and feared what Hajjaj would do to them, I would have then told him such things on the spot to which he would have no reply. So, what's the shaitan doing? He's a classic Nasibi. Like I mentioned, a Nasibi have hated for the family of the Prophet. Not only was he a Nasibi, he was a complete, uh, completely loyal to the Umayyad authorities. So he's targeting anybody. It doesn't matter who they are, whether they're Sahaba, whether they're Rawafid, whether they're Khawarij. And even the age companion, he's talking to him like he's you know, a big shaitan. And Anas said, I would have said something to him, but I feared for my children, meaning I don't want them to suffer on my account. On the same team, the illustrious Abdullah ibn Umar, he had clarified in a similar scenario with the bloodthirsty tyrant. I once heard Hajjaj say something in his sermon that I did not like. However, when I intended objecting to it, I remembered Rasulullah's words. And he said, It is not appropriate for a believer to humiliate himself. When I asked Rasulullah, how was it possible for a believer to humiliate himself? He said, when he instigates such difficult conditions to come to himself that he is unable to bear. Let's look at it. So this is recorded in Tabarani, Bazar, Al-Haytami, and Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 7, page 274, states Sahih, Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 259 of the New English Translation. So Abdullah ibn Umar, he had to clash with this shaitan as well. And he said something in the sermon, we don't know what he said, but Ibn Umar was thinking of saying something. But then he goes, I stopped because I remembered what the Prophet had told us, sallallahu alayhi wa And the command was, do not humiliate yourself. It's not appropriate for the believer. And when he asks for clarification, he goes, you instigate a condition which you can't handle. Mm. So what does that tell you? What this means is this is part of our deen. So the companions were remembering these commands of the Prophet In a similar report, the keeper of secrets, Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman, he relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa لَا يَنْبَغِي لِمُسْلِمٍ أَنْ يُذِلَّ نَفْسَ A Muslim must not humiliate himself. It was asked, 
How does he humiliate himself? The Prophet ﷺ replied, By exposing himself to an affliction, he is not able to bear. This is in Tirmidhi, Hassan Gharib, Imam Ahmad, in his Musnad, and Shaykh Al-Bani states Sahih, in Sahih Al-Jami, volume 2, page 1286. So the Prophet made it clear, the believer must never humiliate himself, meaning he exposes himself to an affliction he can't bear. So what's the famous saying in English? Discretion is often the better part of vana. All these sayings are very interesting because you can see that they're from the prophetic teachings. So that's what it means. Discretion is often the better part of Allah. So instead of quoting that, quote the hadith. The Prophet said exactly that, sallallahu alayhi wa It is not bravery on a person's part to expose himself to a scenario he can't color it. And the Sahaba went allah their dust. And Anas didn't dare do it, nor did Abdullah ibn Umar. And Hudayfa also heard this from the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi it is further related I bought by Hafiz ibn al-Athir in his Al-Qamil, volume 4, page 313, that during the revolt of Ibn al-Jarud, Hajjaj ordered Anas to join him in his campaign to help him. So now this is another angle the shaitan was getting at Anas. He wanted him to join, enlist his, in his forces. So a person revolted, he goes, Anas, you're joining me. Sayyidina Anas he flatly refused. Upon which Hajjaj had thereupon written to him a letter full of abuse and then later sending some of his thugs who dragged the venerable age companion to his presence, upon which he was thereupon also beaten. Astaghfirullah. If this was not all, the tyrant also confiscated his property as well. So imagine, join my cause. No, I'm not joining your cause. So what does he do? First sends a letter probably swearing in the letter to him. Then he sends some thugs and they drag Sayyidina Anas to Hajjaj. He was then beaten and then the property he had, that was taken from him. Sayyidina Anas, the mountain of a man he was, not wanting to curse the tyrant, he thereupon wrote a letter to the Khalif, Abdul Malik ibn Marwan, and complained bitterly of the disrespect shown to him by the governor of Iraq and the tortures to which he had been subjugated. So Anas, he could have cursed him when he finished Hajjajov. But they don't curse. We curse over silly things. He didn't curse. There's a lesson there for us. But he wrote to the Khalif. The Khalif, upon receiving the letter from the aged and venerable companion, he was deeply moved. And in turn, he wrote immediately two letters. The two letters were given to a freed slave of the Banu Makhzum, whose name was Ismail ibn Abdullah. So why had he written two letters? One letter was to Anas, and the other letter was to the, gov- uh, the governor. The Khalif's orders to Ismail ibn Abdullah were to first give the letter to Sayyidina Anas, Allah, expressing to him, how grievously the inhumanity of the governor had touched him and he had given his word this would never happen again. Ismail, the messenger, he was a very wise man and he accomplished his task with great wisdom and sagacity. So what was the wisdom he showed? 
when he went to Anas, he humbly advised him, reconcile with Hajjaj, and thereupon gave him the letter. So now what's interesting, this messenger was very wise, so he told the noble companion, he goes, reconcile with him, the Khalif's going to deal with him. And then when he said yes, okay, then he gave him the letter. Upon reading it, Anas said, I will go and see Hajjaj. Ismail then went to the governor and first informed him of the great anger of the Khalif. <laughs> he didn't give him the letter. So he went to the governor of Iraq. Allah means say, you're in deep trouble. The Khalif is furious. I'm telling you, I've never seen him so angry in my life. After he put the fear of God into Hajjaj, he gave him the letter. As Hajjaj began to read the Khalif's letter, his face began to change for the worse. Hafiz ibn al-Atir in his Al-Qamil, volume 4, page 313. So this was part of the letter. O son of the mother of Al-Hajjaj, you are a slave whose position is above his merit. I, thus you are acting thus. You have foolishly grown proud in your status to the extent of becoming presumptuous thinking you will not be called to task. However, now you have indeed crossed the limits of your power. O child of an abject woman, I will now cut you to pieces as the lion rips open the weak fox. I shall strike you so hard you will return to your mother's womb. Have you forgotten the condition of your forefathers in the city of Taif, where they carried stones on their backs? They dug wells with their own hands in the valleys where they found springs. Have you forgotten the baseness of your ancestors, their ignominy, their courage and character? Honor this man and the members of his family. Recognize his rights and the services he rendered to Rasulullah. Indeed, do not deprive him of any of his needs. Let Anas return to his dwelling and apologize to him that he may write to me that he is happy with you. If such is the will of Allah. Greetings. <laughs> so basically, he said, I'm going to basically kill you unless you change your attitude towards Anas. That was interesting in the letter. The Khalif was explaining to him that you don't actually have any power. The only reason you are in this position is because of these base qualities. And now you become so proud that you can think you can do whatever you wish. And look what he said to him. He said, I'm going to rip you open like a weak fox, as a lion does. I'm going to strike you so hard, you're going to return to your mother's womb. And then he mentioned his forefathers, and he said something negative about them, and good. Because they were, you know, like we say, grafters, they worked. He goes, but they had courage and character. Because what's happened to you? And then he goes, honor this man, Ayy Anas, because of his services to Rasulullah, fulfill his needs. Then look what he said. Anas has to write to me. And when he writes to me, he is happy with you. Because I won't take the matter further. After reading this letter, <laughs> so humiliating for his plight, Hajjaj dried the sweat from his forehead. And in view of the trouble he was now in, he decided to ride immediately to Anas and to humbly seek his apology. But, subhanAllah, 
the wise messenger Ismail, he intervened. And desiring to spare the governor from public disgrace, he promised to bring Anas to his palace for reconciliation. So look how wise the messenger was. He already got Anas to his alkum. When Anas eventually arrived, Hajjaj immediately arose and embraced him <laughs> and asked him, please sit next to me. So Anas sat next to the tyrant. And then after an awkward silence, Sayyidina Anas said, if the Jews and Christians, unbelievers as they are, had seen a man who served Musa or Isa, for just a single day, they would certainly have honored him. But you have denied me, who have served Rasulullah for 10 years. This is recorded by Hafiz ibn al-Atir in his Al-Qamil, volume 4, page 314. So Anas rebuked him. And it's true. And if somebody says to us, this man served Musa for one day, what would we do? Because I've served Rasulullah for 10 years. Hajjaj then begged his pardon once more. And he goes, please forgive me. And then when he noticed Anas's anger being removed, he then humbly asked him, could you write a letter to the Khalif to spare my life? Because <laughs> he didn't even cut to the, he just cut to the chase. He goes, please just write a letter. Said to the Bil Mu'minin that you're happy with me. And he goes, that's all. He goes, time to spare my life. Anas radiyallahu graciously did imagine. It is related. Sayyidina Anas radiyallahu thus regained his estate and lived in Basra for another 15 years. Now honored and respected by Hajjaj. Recorded by Hafiz ibn al-Atir in his Al-Qamil, volume 4, page 314. So don't forget, he'd taken his property. So he gave it all back. He goes, hey, it's all yours. Take you with my blessings. And now he's basically like an untouchable. Hajjaj goes, forget that. He goes, Amir al-Mu'min is going to take me out if I take him out. So now, having said all that, one would expect now nothing but peace between these two souls. However, their paths were to cross once more. <laughs> so what's strange about Hajjaj, he was a complete tyrant, but he was completely loyal to the Omeyyads. And this is why they, he was put in these places. So he obviously he did his job admirably. When he became the governor of Iraq, he... <laughs> This was his opening sermon. He said, I can see uh, heads ready to be uh, taken off the shoulders, like the fruits are ready to be plucked. <laughs> and then he got the ball rolling. He pointed to somebody, and one of his guards took his head off. And he goes, this is how my rule's going to be. And people then, the Khawadis, the Rawafid, they just put their heads down. They went, no, no, everything will be fine. And what's interesting is, he did the job. There was no you know, real problems with Hajjaj there. But he also targeted the Saab. <laughs> you know, as if, you know, you've done your job, why are you targeting them for? But he was thinking, these are going to cause trouble as well. But notice, the Khalif was different. Abdul Malik ibn Marwan had goodness. And he goes, don't overstep your mark. He goes, I understand what you're doing, but leave the companions alone. In other words, he goes, because he served Rasulullah. He reminded him of that fact. What's the matter with you? And he was a Nasibi to the core, but it's very important to point out he wasn't an unbeliever. Obviously, we hate him for his crimes and what he's done, but he had goodness as well. But of course, the evil seems to overshadow the goodness he did. 
The all I mentioned today was now Sayyidina Anas, you'd have expected in the 80s, he's going to live a peaceful life. In his mid-80s, he's now dealing with Hajjaj. And not just Anas, but other also great companions. Are there any questions?